0: Hello, and welcome to the show that, despite the pleas of our families and friends, simply will not stop talking about D&D. So, ready your spells and weapons, grab
1: the shiniest set of your math rocks, and prepare for critical friendship. So, today we are talking about basics and abilities. Dan,
0: how do you want to do this? I would like to roll a nat 20 on this intro, and... Oh, that's not what we're talking about? Okay. Uh, today, <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to talk... You don't get to choose when you roll in that 20. That's orange oh, Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So we just wanted to kind of uh, do an episode here about um, the basics of play and some of the, the um, basic abilities and skills and kind of the way we... Uh, the rules that we follow generally for uh, D&D. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say is that, uh, the first thing to remember is that the rules are really more like guidelines. Maybe more like
1: guidelines and actual <laughs> rules.
0: <laughs> that being said, you should definitely know the rules before you start trying to bend or even break them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the rules are, are there in place because they've been play tested. They've been worked through so many times. They're there to give you a structure to help your game run more smoothly and like actually have a good time instead of just getting bogged down with a bunch of like, wait, hang on. How do you do that? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so again, like I think we've said this before in a couple of different episodes, though, is like that. Even though those rules are there, definitely learn them first, but. It's going to be different at every household. When you when you play uh, your home games, there's going to be there's going to be home rules. There's going to be things that the DM just kind of throws out the window, because even the people that wrote these rules are like, if you don't like a rule, get rid of it. Play yeah. it differently. Yeah, they they tell you to do whatever
1: works best at your specific table because they wrote the rules that were going to work best at their games. And they're like, yeah, not everybody plays D&D the same way. Yeah. Not everybody talks to each other the same way. Not everybody interacts with their friends the same way. So if you're going to play it, you're probably going to pick and choose what works best at your individual table. Yeah. And it's all about open communication between DM and players, because if you don't have that, then you're just going to have chaos.
0: Yeah. And and that's a lot of what I wanted to kind of uh, say in, in this in this first note is that, like. The rule of cool is is the the best rule, I think, because. Absolutely. <laughs> like one of the one of the things that kind of just popped in my head was in one of our last sessions there there was no rule for this particular action that one of my players did it was it was blake's wife where she just wanted to like she had this thing grappled her character had this thing grappled and she literally was was just like i just want to like swing him around and and hulk puny god this thing (laughs) and so i was just like you know what Let's just do it. (laughs) It was fun. So it was fun for everybody. Everybody had a blast. It was just a whole lot of fun. And
1: you did a really good job of ruling it by having, like, you know, she had to maintain the grapple. And then she was making athletics checks to hold on to it to, like, actually be able to bash it into other things. And then it wasn't doing full weapon damage. Actually, it wasn't doing any damage to the thing she was using to swing around because it was a were-creature that's immune to everything non-silver. Right. (laughs) So she was just beating everything else to death with
0: this were-creature
1: that was just, like, completely humiliated by this because he literally couldn't do anything. Yeah.
0: It was a little dazed at uh, just being (laughs) swung around, but at the same time, it wasn't getting hurt.
1: Yeah. So it was just like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: it it was a it was a very fun combat for all of the players involved. <laughs> we, we we were driving home together and my wife just kept talking about how fun that was and like the fact that you let her swing it into the immovable rod that was just stuck in the middle <laughs> of the room and just just bash this thing against the immovable rod time and Which time again.
0: Is a magical weapon.
1: It's a magical it, item. It's a magical <laughs>
0: item that I allowed to be something that caused magical damage. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that, that was our main uh, point of uh, conversation on our,
0: on our ride home <laughs> that night. <laughs> That's awesome. So speaking of athletics, you just mentioned an athletics check. We wanted to kind of go over these, uh, the basics of our abilities and skills that we have in the game. Um, so uh, ability scores are basically broken down into six main headline abilities. And then each one of those has sub abilities or skills that are generally asked for when you are rolling dice.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And what are those abilities, Dan?
0: Those abilities. I will just read for you right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So uh, the first one is strength, then dexterity, constitution, intelligence wisdom and charisma and blake actually has a uh, a perfect analogy for what each one of these does okay so to be fair i did not come up with this analogy
1: i found it online one time and it made me chuckle and then i actually used it as a descriptor a few times and it it just clicks with people it made sense um, and it gives them a giggle at the same time, or at least makes them look at me like I'm a psychopath, <laughs> which they're going to be doing anyways, within five minutes of meeting me. So why not start now? Yeah. Um, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, um, ability tomato analogy. So broken down into those six abilities, these are what they can do in reference to a tomato. Strength would be your ability to crush a tomato. Just, just take it in your hand and... Sploosh. Nice noise. <laughs> uh, dexterity would be the ability to dodge a tomato that somebody has thrown at your face. <laughs> we sound effected these. <laughs> this next one's going to be interesting. Constitution would be your ability to either eat a rotten tomato or swallow a tomato whole. No! <laughs> Intelligence would be knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Ah. (laughs) Wisdom (laughs) tells you that you should not make a tomato-based fruit salad. Ooh. (laughs) And charisma is the ability to sell said tomato-based fruit salad.
0: Hey, tomato-based fruit salad here. (laughs) Step right (laughs) up. (laughs) Step right up.
1: Step right up get your tomato based and salad yeah so so I've actually used that several times as I said to explain what the ability scores actually do for you, and again, people look at me like I'm a crazy person and I'm like does that does that help does that clear anything up and people generally are like weirdly enough yes yeah it it, it makes sense so I think I understand
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember you uh telling me that when I first started playing too and it was just like oh okay all right <laughs> this is really dumb but also i get it <laughs> <laughs> well it's cool because it 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 explains it enough to be like okay i get each one of them but then there are those other things in those those skill checks that are just like okay that part is a little bit extra but it still kind of goes under that so it's just like okay all right that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so did you want to give a, a breakdown of what each of the skills for each ability is? Yes. So uh, for strength, and this is going to be a lot. It's so, a, It's an extensive
1: list yeah. for the strength ability. There's a lot you can do with strength.
0: Yeah. So number one, <laughs> athletics.
1: There is no number there two. There is no number two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Except for saving throws, but we're not talking about those right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For dexterity, there is acrobatics, sleight of hand, and stealth. So wisdom is animal handling, insight, medicine, perception, and survival. Intelligence is arcana, or magic. History, investigation, nature, and religion. So what you guys will probably notice is that
1: was only five abilities. And earlier we mentioned six. So you would think that since there are no skills attached to constitution, it's probably one of the less important stats. If you are thinking that you would be very, very wrong because constitution (laughs) does a lot for you. The only real roles that you'll get most of the time for constitution is for the saving throw stat. However, constitution will dictate how much health you have and i mean it's how much health you have and how <laughs> how tough your character actually is
0: like and how well you can eat a rotten tomato eat a rotten tomato <laughs> walk through certain kinds of weather uh
1: if you're good at drinking
0: if you're good at drink well that's still that's still under the saving throws thing
1: technically it's it's under um it's under a section in the player's handbook that talks about like um like extra rolls that you can use Constitution for. Oh, okay. But, so it's not technically a saving throw. I generally run it as a saving yeah, throw. Yeah, okay. Because it's just like you you have that extra modifier on there. Why not use it? Right, right. Okay. Because because cool. Constitution doesn't get used for anything else. So
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's either a Constitution check or a saving throw, and you can kind of interchange them a little bit. Yes. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit later with the with the saving throws and kind of differentiate that a little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. But so basically, what um what all these entail is, um, when you roll an ability check, uh, your DM will have or either make will either have or make up a difficulty class or DC number for um. Uh, for a challenge, say you're trying to jump off a cliff and not die. And not die.
1: Let's let's not go with cliff. That's a bit high. So okay. like you're you're jump you're, off a building. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're a few branches up on a tree, and you want to you want to hop out of the tree. Yeah. So you as the DM, Dan, if I said with my character that I play in your campaign, Worm, yes, like hey, I'm gonna jump out of this tree branch, you would say.
0: Roll me an acrobatics check.
1: Okay. And in Dan's head, he will have a number that he does not tell me because it depends on a, how difficult what I'm doing is. How like high up you how are. How high up I am, whether or not I decided to try to do a flip or some kind of crazy flourish while I'm going down to look cool. Mm-hmm. And then he will use that number as the <laughs> difficulty class for what I'm trying to do. Now, caveat not everything you do in D&D is going to correlate to a roll. So if Worm, my character, is stepping off of a curb or walking across a flat surface, not drunk, (laughs) Dan's not going to make me roll anything. Because if it's something that any random person could do easily, then there's no check required. However, Dan has told me to roll an acrobatics check. So, depending on those different criteria that he has set up or that I have set up in saying what I'm going to do, he's going to have a different difficulty class in his head, which will go more or less as follows. So, if it is a very easy check, it's something that, like, you know, he might fail at it, but it should be pretty easy, then his DC is probably only going to be about 5, somewhere in that range. Easy is going to be around a 10 medium is a 15, hard is a 20, very hard is 25, and nearly impossible is 30. Now, for anybody's reference out there, that table is in the player's handbook on page 174.
0: So it'll also be on some uh DM screens. Yeah, you... <laughs> a lot of DM screens have it on
1: there for for quick reference. Um but I I would I would like to just point out like right off the bat If you're looking to buy one of the three core rule books, whether you're a DM, whether you're a player, whether you're just trying to kind of get a feel for how the game works, buy the player's handbook. That is by far the most important book for your D&D table, even as the DM. It says player's handbook, but you need
0: it. Yeah. It has most of the basic rules. And yeah,
1: somebody at your (laughs) table needs that book. (laughs) Yep. And if you have somebody who has it that is very kind, he'll let everybody else borrow it. (laughs) And then it ends up looking a little beat up like mine. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I think I took pretty good care of it. You did.
1: You did. But it's been passed around But it was already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been passed
1: around a lot and gone through multiple different bags.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on from ability checks, um, there's also this thing called a saving throw. Um. Which is basically an attempt to, uh, uh, resist magic spells, poison or disease or eating a, you know, rotten tomato. Yeah. You know, it's, (laughs) um, also, uh, we were talking about constitution, um, being kind of that main one that we use a lot when talking about saving throws there are definitely other ones being used yeah
1: the the two most frequently used ones at least that have come up in i guess i should say three most frequently used ones are dexterity uh constitution and then for like mental effects it's generally wisdom yeah now there's a few that go off of intelligence and those are kind of rare um and and if you have access to one of those spells take it because most things are like not going to be very good at <laughs> resisting your intelligence unless yeah. you're fighting like mind flayers or something in which case you know pro- probably pack some dexterity spells. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll add, I'll add one caveat onto that. If your dungeon master asks you for a charisma saving throw <sighs> Now is the time to panic and start praying that you are going to make that saving throw because charisma saving throws are usually what are known as save or suck spells. Ooh. If you fail that saving throw, something bad's going to happen to you. And I mean really bad. Like, okay, guess what? You've been banished, you Ooh. are now in one of the outer planes of existence. And that's kind of up to your dungeon master as to where <laughs> you are. So you could go somewhere nice like Mount Celestia, or you could be in Hades, Gehenna, the Nine Hells, the Abyss. Yeah, it's
0: not great. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, I do remember what I was going to say though was um, that uh, when you're doing the ability checks, a lot of times it's the skills that are underneath the uh, the abilities. Mm-hmm. When it's a saving throw, most of the time it's going to be the main ability check. So a lot of times the ability check will be uh, an athletics check. When it's a saving throw, it'll be a strength saving throw. Yes. So that main headliner uh, ability. Uh, or, sorry, yeah, ability saving throw.
1: Yeah. So you're not going to make an athletic saving throw. That's not a thing. You have a strength save, a dexterity save, a constitution save, wisdom, intelligence, charisma that's the only ones that you have yeah it's it's not going to be like well make a stealth saving throw. <laughs> if somebody says that to me at the table i'm going to look at them sideways and go did you mean dexterity <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um but yeah so i i feel like um the main one that i would i would um focus on at least for this uh thing would be uh your constitution because uh, when, especially as a spellcaster, you're going to cast spells that a lot of times take what what's called concentration, mm, and yeah. so if you get hit by anything, you have to make a concentration check or a constitution check, which is the same exact same yeah, thing. Basically, it, it
1: goes off of your constitution saving
0: throw, right? Um, so so it, I
1: guess there is one other type of. Two other type of saving throws, right, right, the concentration right. Concentration and the death save. Yes. But we're not talking about him right now. No,
0: <laughs> not quite yet. Um, but yeah, so it's basically to uh, whether or not you maintain that concentration on the spell, or it fizzles out.
1: Yeah. So, so. for an example, say my character casts the spell Blur. Mm-hmm. Right. So it makes him a lot harder to hit. Basically, it makes your character look like they're in two places at once. So, if somebody's trying to hit you, they have a much harder time of doing that. Or in game terms, they have disadvantage, which means they will roll their attack two times and they have to take the lower of those two numbers. Right. Sucks to have disadvantage. Yeah. But if I have blur cast on myself and somebody hits me, I now have to make a concentration check or a constitution saving throw. Same, same, same modifier. And I have to either get. A ten, or I have to, the, or the DC will be half of the damage that was dealt to me, whichever is higher. Right. So if you get dealt like fifty damage,
0: you ain't got <laughs> you ain't got the concentration for that.
1: A, if you're a spellcaster, <laughs> you're probably pretty squishy. Yeah. B, it's gonna be pretty hard to roll a twenty-five on your Constitution saving throw. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's that's high level stuff right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's like a tarasque just just stepped on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what a Tarrasque is, think Godzilla.
0: Yeah. Isn't it bigger? Like, isn't it supposed to be like even bigger than Godzilla?
1: Some of the artwork is a little confusing. Yeah, Some of it shows it as like, oh, hey, this is just like a really large dinosaur. Some of it is like, oh, it's like towering over like a redwood forest. And then some of it's like it's about the same size as like a young dragon. Yeah. I like to run it kaiju size. <laughs> I say that as though I've run the tarasque, I've not gotten the opportunity to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but let's put it this way. I, I keep seeing a meme going around Facebook that that shows the tarasque and it yeah. says, uh, just for just for a uh, uh, comparison, I put a banana in this picture. You can't see the banana.
1: I was like, where's the banana? All
0: the comments are like, where's the banana? I can't see it. Yeah, That's the point. It's, it's big. It's big. Um, we've gone over some of the, the more important saving throws and ability checks. Now I'd kind of like to explain a little bit of the gameplay. Um and I I just kind of want to do a generality of it a little bit. Um so what I what I want to say about it is that uh as a player you get to listen to the DM's description of your environment and then you get to describe how you would like to interact with that environment.
1: That's it. That's the whole game. Yep, that's pretty much. It. Episode over.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> roll the outro. <laughs> Um, the DM will let you know if it is possible to do those actions, or he will ask for a role to see what the results of those actions are. Basically kind of what we were saying before, but a little bit more in simplified terms of it's really up to your imagination what you do in this game.
1: Now, now you do have to be doing something that's possible, right? So like In
0: you, fantasy
1: Yeah. I mean <laughs> terms. But, but you don't want the example of, you know, the the let's let's give the example of of the Fellowship of the Ring traveling over uh uh oh god I'm blanking on the Mo, name. uh uh Cairo oh. Ka- Tras. The mountain. Oh okay. Right? So they're traveling and the mountain starts coming down. Okay, so here's the example. Gimli falls off the side during the avalanche. Now Gimli's player looks at the DM in a panic and goes, "Uh, I'm going to start flapping my arms really, really hard and, <laughs> and, 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 and try to fly. Now it's your job as the DM to look at that guy and go, okay. And that player might go, can I roll an athletics check? No, it's not a possibility that you're going to actually start flying by flapping the arms of this very heavily armored dwarf. <laughs> so he goes, can I roll an athletics check? And you go, no. So, yep. what, is gen- what, is, what is happening now is you have a heavily armored, heavily armed dwarf falling off the side of a cliff, flapping his arms really, really hard, and falling straight to his death. Yep. <laughs> now, that's generally when you're Gandalf, or one of your other spellcasters, or people that can do something quickly does something about it and tries casts to save feather it. Featherfall. Or, or Gandalf casts Fly, you fool. Right. And uh, <laughs> dives off the cliff after Gimli and pulls him back up.
0: Yeah. Or he whispers to his moth and asks for the, the eagles to come save them.
1: Ah, yes. Conjure animal.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call him a druid, though. He's, he's not. That's Radagast. <laughs> yeah. More, yeah, more so. <laughs>
1: So, again, obviously you have to be doing something that is in the realm of possibility in the fantasy setting that you're in. You know, you're you're not going to start flapping your arms and flying. You don't get to just, like, stamp your foot into the ground and, like, oh, I just burrowed 50 feet down because we have to go underneath this wall. Like,
0: no. Like, you have to have specific spells and stuff to be able to do
1: <laughs> uh, All you did is stamp your foot really hard in the cobblestone and alert the guards that you're trying to avoid. Well done, idiot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: rolled a natural one on a stealth
1: (laughs) it's fine we have pass without trace
0: that does nothing
1: yeah so so that's that's the other thing um that that we should talk about it's a it's a quick caveat with with skill checks and abilities and stuff like that uh rules as written and, and we're, we're kind of giving you rules as written, but then we're going to sort of talk about what we do at our table. Yeah. Um, and there's even differences between the way I run things and the way Dan runs things. You know, each DM has a different style, right? Yeah. So rules as written. If you're rolling a skill check, you cannot do critical successes or failures, which a brief... Thing about what crits are is if you roll a natural 20 on your die, so you roll the 20 sided die and it lands with the 20 side up, that is a critical success if you're doing something like making an attack roll. If you roll a 1 on that 20 sided die, that is a critical fail, which I believe again rules as written is you just miss. Like, no matter what your modifiers are, you miss. So even if their AC is 11, and with your modifiers of 15, because you're a really high-level character, you would have hit, well, you rolled a natural 1. You're missing, regardless. As written, you can't do that with skill checks. Yeah. I personally like to rule it as, okay, if I ask you for a roll, say you're trying to push this very heavy boulder, if I tell you, roll me athletics check, even if I set it at that nearly impossible DC of 30, and I know you only have a modifier of five to your athletics, mm-hmm. which is a decent modifier, right? <clears throat> if I called for that role, you have a chance for success in my book. Yeah. So either you have a modifier that's going to push you over that, that difficulty class of 30 or you're going to roll a natural 20 and I'm going to give it to you. Yeah,
0: You basically have a one in 20 chance of, of,
1: <laughs> yeah
0: of, of being successful if, in that role.
1: Yeah. And if, if I decide that it's not possible, say you're playing a halfling that has a strength score of three and you're trying to push a boulder, <laughs> the size of a house, I'm not going to let you roll for that. I'm just going to say, yeah, no, that's not happening. But like, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You're trying to move a mountain.
0: Yeah. Basically if your if your DM asks you for a role in that situation, the DM don't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> or she or or
1: or your DM is just, you know, playing it like we do. Or or playing it really, really loose and fun with the rules. Or that, to, yeah. Like I mean, if if at your table you're playing that dwarf that fell off the mountainside and you start flapping your arms and your dungeon master is like okay sure roll roll an athletics check and you roll a nat twenty and he lets you fly you know you're playing in a really unique table yeah. that's gonna have a lot of silliness and shenanigans
0: <laughs> kind of like mine but not quite to that degree <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure
1: if if that rope had so so my character was in a combat on an airship and he was tethered off. Um, to like the middle of the ship and during the combat I jumped off the side because I was cornered and I was about to get absolutely stomped on and I dove off the side and had to make a check to see if I could swing back onto the ship He Dan told me if I rolled a nat one the rope would have snapped and he would have fallen to his death mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in your game if I had had that rope snap and started
0: flapping my arms vigorously you would have been like <laughs> bummer dude worm's dead Like. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing I think I even would have had a glimmer of thought to do is to be like, well, you're a little dragon person. You could sprout wings <laughs> for some strange unexplainable reason. There are there is such a thing as winged kobolds. They're called well, er- yeah. they're
1: called erd. But you're not. <laughs> So what you're telling me is I need to start diving off of high places and flapping my arms vigorously to see if I sprout wings.
0: Roll a persuasion check.
1: (laughs) Give me me the die over there on your
0: desk. (laughs) I don't know where it went. Oh, God, no. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Roll roll a d20. Okay. All
1: right. We're doing it live. That's a 16 on the die.
0: 16? That's... That's... What's Am your modifier? With with for worm? For me. Persuasion modifier, yeah. Oh
1: well for worm it's a minus <laughs>
0: but no. It's minus one. So that's a fifteen on the die. <laughs> that was a pretty high uh pretty high DC that's, there.
1: That was a very high roll for Worm's charisma. That's though. not bad, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like it so no he is not going to start <laughs> jumping off of, just to see if he he sprouts wings
1: you're like you can certainly try. you can certainly try yes note to people who have never played D before if your dungeon if you ask to do something and your dungeon master looks at you and says you can certainly try abort mission <laughs> that's him saying if you do that you will die
0: Not always. It's not always a die thing. It's more just it is on that nearly impossible thing. So it is possible. Yeah. But barely. (laughs) I've I've also been the one where somebody's
1: asking me if they can do something crazy, and I'll look them dead in the eye, not even look down at my dice, pick up my D20, drop it in my dice table and go, No, doesn't work. (laughs) Without looking at it. And they're like, okay, a simple no would have sufficed. And I'm like, yes, but Think about what you've just asked me for. Like this, that's, that's, it's complete lunacy. (laughs) I I like to have silliness and shenanigans at my table, but some things I'm just like, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Think for two seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you mentioned how constitution affects your hit points and your concentration. We talked about concentration checks as well. Yes. Yes. Are there any other ones that affect other parts of making your character or or things like that?
1: Yes. So there's actually two other fairly important ones. Uh, not that they're going to be quite as important as Constitution because, again, that's your survivability. That's how many hits you can take, stuff like that. But when you're making your character, you kind of have to decide whether you're going to have A good strength score, if you're going to make like a a martial-based character, something that fights with weapons versus slinging spells, Mm -hmm. you need to decide whether or not you're going to be a big, strong, heavy hitter, or a very quick heavy hitter, (laughs) because you can make a build either way. So if you're using a big, heavy, two-handed weapon, right, you're going to want a high strength for that, because that will actually affect the numbers involved with how well you're able to hit your enemies. So if you have a big giant slab of iron sword, like you're, you're trying to make a, a character like guts from berserk, you probably should invest in your strength because if you have a strength score of 10, which is the average for like regular common. home on being. Yeah then you're probably not going to be doing a very good job with that giant weapon. Yeah. No. You're like, I made a dex-based character who's using a great sword. You messed up.
0: <laughs> like
1: you, you can do it, you're just not going to be terribly effective at it. Yeah. Alternatively, if you've decided that you want to be an archer and you put strength as your high stat and you dumped your dex, which dumping just means you put a low number in it. Um Again, you messed up because strength does not affect your ranged weapons or specific weapons that have a property called finesse, which means you use like they're, they're quicker. So like a dagger, a short sword. Now,
0: tech- you can pull that string back really, really good, but it ain't going to go anywhere. But you're not
1: going to have very good <laughs> aim with it. So technically finesse means you can either use strength or dexterity for that attack roll. But then you have weapons like a short bow a longbow, a crossbow, Mm -hmm. your strength is not going to affect that at all. Nah. At all. So if you're making a character using one of those weapons, you know, put, put dexterity as your high stat. (laughs) Now, the other thing that makes dexterity important, and this is why dexterity is often called the fifth edition God stat, Mm. is it will affect your armor class. So, we've talked about being able to hit your opponent. Armor class affects how well or how hard it is for your opponents to hit you. So, if I, as the DM, am rolling something to hit your character, Lelander, and I say, okay, it's a kobold. He's got a plus two with whatever he's using. Because I think, no, I think think the Icewind Dale kobolds use a spear and it's a plus one. Anyways, so (laughs) I roll... I add that whatever, okay, and I say, okay, the total is twelve. You as Lelander look at it and say, my armor class is
0: sixteen. Okay.
1: Yeah. So kobold rolled a twelve. Why do you only have? Oh yeah, combat. Never mind. Um, I was looking at your head points. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but say that kobold rolled a twelve. I say, hey, does a twelve hit? It does not. It does not because he has an armor class of. 12 or 16 16 16, (laughs) now if that kobold rolled a 16 and i say hey does a 16 hit it does now why does that happen dan
0: because of the rule of meets it beats it
1: exactly Now, that goes for the the same for saving throws and all kinds of stuff like that. Saving throws, ability checks. Which we can get further into those weeds of the mathematics and all that stuff on a later episode. Probably more or less we'll do all of that in the character building episode. Yes. But what you need to know for now is if you have a higher dexterity, unless you're using something like plate mail or, or full plate armor your dexterity is going to affect how hard it is for the enemies to actually hit you with an attack. Yeah. So dexterity, very good for that. Strength, very good for big weapons. Dexterity, also good for smaller weapons.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: And stealth and a whole bunch of other stuff. Again, everybody calls dexterity, like, I guess not everybody, but I have seen it over <laughs> and over. Dexterity gets called the god stat of 5e. Like, it is, it, it does
0: so many things. It covers a lot. It covers a lot. I mean, even just looking at those, um, the, uh, the skill checks underneath it with acrobatics, sleight of hand, and stealth, like, that covers so many things just in those three things. (laughs) Like that's a lot. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later as well. So
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So let's narrow in a little bit. Um, just a tad on, uh, how to do combat, just some of the basics. Um, we're not going to get into any of the, the, the detail work of it with all the math and all that.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: But I just wanted to cover a few basic things about uh, how it runs, basically. Yeah.
1: Preface. I love digging really deep into the combat side of d and d Like I, I, my favorite part is probably the role play, but I really like crunching the numbers and getting deep into the combat and like figuring out how things are going to, you know, play off of each other and synergize and stuff like that, and like coming up with different strategies for doing different stuff. So Dan. If I start getting lost in the weeds in this and get way too deep and nerdy and all that stuff, <laughs> your job is to reel me back in. Absolutely. Okay. We're we're going basic level. We're not going to talk about the numbers yeah. this time. We're just going to discuss more or less how combat works. Not get into modifiers and attack rolls and yada yada yada. Right. We're going to do a We're going to follow my notes yeah, here. We're going to do a different episode <laughs> at a later date. Where I can salivate all over the microphone and be like, "Guys, you don't understand." <laughs> <laughs> It'll
0: be a weird, weird ASMR. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be talking like that the whole time. Like, Guys,
1: okay, you know, I play a kobold, and what happens is <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get you some glasses, and you just uh, push I them up every have, once in a have while. Glasses,
1: <laughs> I'm just not wearing them.
0: You just have to wear it for that episode. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when in combat. Uh, so every round of combat is the equivalent of six seconds of real time.
1: Now, that's not every turn in combat. That's, that's every, every full round. round from start of initiative to end of
0: initiative. Right. It all happens simultaneously.
1: Technically, yes.
0: Yeah. Obviously, some some things take longer. Some things take longer than others, but it all rounds out to six seconds. Um, Each of your actions are measured by actions, bonus actions, and movement.
1: Um, Dan, you've forgotten one.
0: I did. The reaction. The reaction. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's like a split second thing. Yep.
1: So that's something okay. like somebody else is doing a thing. And if you have an ability that allows you to use a reaction, you can really quickly, like, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Which would be something like somebody's moving away from you. And it's like, hey, since he's turned away from me and he's moving and not paying full attention to me, I'm going to hit him. Yeah. Or that guy's casting <laughs> a spell that I would rather him not cast. I'm going to cast Counterspell because I don't want any of that. Yep. <laughs> Reactions and there all. are other
0: ones we yep. won't get into today. <laughs> Again, <laughs> thank you, Dan. <laughs> that, that's the, the taking you out of the weeds there. Y- yes. <laughs> I, I recognized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, uh, actions, uh, some characters can do multiple attacks in one action. Spells are normally one action. Uh, bonus actions these take less time than actions so they're mostly very quick actions or low or easy level spells
1: now an example of a bonus action would be something like a rogue can do where it's like because they are a very fast character they can do some things that most other classes have to take an actual action to do so like a rogue or let's say a fighter a fighter can use his action to dash which just means he runs double his speed yeah he gets to double his speed a rogue can do a move as his move action do a regular action and then use a bonus action to dash yeah because rogues are fast
0: yep
1: and there's a couple other ones they can do but again
0: yeah weeds but that also it leads me into my next uh my next motion here.
1: Hey, imagine that. <laughs> uh,
0: the the movement side of things, most baseline speeds of characters are uh thirty feet per round. Except S- for halflings <laughs> and gnomes. Yeah. I was gonna say some have more, some have less, like halflings and gnomes. Uh and some can take bonus actions to double their speed, like a rogue. Uh everyone else that takes an action instead of attacking. So now, we, if you're you a you rogue
1: already... and you really want to piss your DM off with just being Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> You can take an action to dash and then a bonus action to dash. And then you can multi-class as a monk and use a key point to do step of the wind and just disappear.
0: And take the mobile feet and, and get another feet. 10 feet.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like you said in the, in the one shot last night. You stealthed so well that you said, I just uh, stealthed into the next one shot. Right. <laughs> with that kind of character that just decided that they're going to dump everything into moving very fast, you just broke the reality bearer barrier and you're now in the next one shot
0: <laughs> yep, I like making that <laughs> that little uh comparison there yeah it was a it was a good joke yeah <laughs> um but that's basically the again the basics of combat there's there is more to it obviously, but that's kind of the the gist of it
1: yeah there's there's all kinds of different actions you can take ranging from like you see something in the environment you want to interact with to different kinds of maneuvers or just doing the thing that it's like, hey, barbarian, what are you doing this turn? Well, I'm going to surprise everybody <laughs> and I'm going to hit him with my giant ass. <laughs> <laughs> wizard what are you gonna do i'm gonna deliberate which spell i'm gonna cast for 30 minutes (laughs) if you're playing a spellcaster please read your spells and have them ready on your turn yes figure them out on everyone else's turn so that when it gets to you you can say i'm casting mind sliver like i did the last six turns
0: instead of looking at your spells and looking at your spells and looking at your spells and re- realizing oh I don't have any other things I can do. <laughs> Wait a minute,
1: I'm a warlock. I cast
0: eldritch blast. <laughs> Which you will get when we start going into character classes and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very tense. So in in that one Dan and I are going to walk through building a character and just because it's one of my favorite classes I'm very tempted to build a warlock but if we're going simplistic <laughs> I probably shouldn't because warlocks are one of the more customizable like yeah. you you have choices on your choices yeah <laughs> we'll
0: we'll probably do a separate episode of like some of the more complicated yeah, stuff like, like that
1: like these these are this is a simple character build next episode we're doing what's your favorite character build <laughs> yeah
0: there you go <laughs> Um I have one one other thing that uh this is going to be an after combat uh note here. So after combat the main thing you're going to want to do is take a rest. <laughs> if you're a warlock, if yeah. You, yeah. If you're a warlock you have to. <laughs> um
1: I need a nap.
0: <laughs> so again like something like that where it only takes a short rest which can be anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. Uh, of of in game time to get your spells back and all that kind of stuff, but a long rest is a full on eight hour sleep where you can heal up to maximum hit points, get all your spells back, and remind me, do you do where you get all of your hit dice or do you do half hit uh hit dice back? This um, is something we'll probably get okay, into later. So house but,
1: rule, I just give you the hit dice back.
0: Okay, cool. Because I. I'm watching Critical Role, obviously, and uh, he does the half, and I'm like, I have never heard that rule before. That's
1: rules as written. Yeah,
0: that's weird. Rules as
1: written, you get half of your hit dice back on a long rest. Yeah,
0: I think he might have changed it in uh, yeah. future ones, because I don't remember him just ever saying for, that.
1: For my own bookkeeping at the table, it's just easier for me to be like, okay, like, long rest, you get your hit dice back. Especially because, like, when I run combats... I don't run easy combat. Yeah. <laughs> if I look at a combat, unless it's something that's like, it's supposed to be like a random thing. That's fairly simple. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to let my players feel real tough and just absolutely curb stomp these goblins, which I don't know that anybody's ever curb stomped any of my goblins. <laughs> Cause I have a nice supplemental book called the monsters know what they're doing. And goblins are scary if you let them be
0: yeah i've only gone up against your goblins once i think
1: it was a pain in the butt wasn't it It was (laughs) like you guys were like fourth level fighting tiny little goblins and just going guys we should we we should figure this out
0: (laughs) we were in the middle of like on a road that had hills on both sides so they just kept hiding behind the hills (laughs) yes (laughs) so yeah
1: um one other thing we should cover. Um, we have talked about ability scores a lot and then we have said modifier a lot. Yes. So generally as a player character, your ability score is going to be somewhere between the numbers one and twenty. Ten is your average, that's what like any random civilian off of the streets will have. Twenty is you are very proficient at that ability. I mean, like a a twenty in strength is like you're a big huge brute. Yeah. Okay. Now, granted, ability scores can go all the way up to 30. Not for player characters, though. Oh, wow. So barbarians with, like, high-level barbarians, I think, can get up to, like, a 25
0: or 6. Uh, Yeah, I think it's 26. Yeah.
1: Now, the reason why that's important is every even number, your ability score modifier will change. Mm -hmm. So at 10, it's a 0. So we've talked about like oh you have a strength of 15, okay? If you are at 10, your modifier is 0. If you go below 10, it drops down to a negative 1. And for every even number below 10, it drops down another.
0: So Ooh. so so even at a 9 is a negative 1 so and then an 8. A,
1: a 9 and an 8 is going to be negative 1. Oh, okay. 6 and 7 would be minus 2. Now Going up from 10, you have the opposite effect. So, obviously, you know, uh, uh, 10 and 11 is a 0, 12 and a 13 is a 1, so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. So, the reason why that's important for barbarians, whether or not they get a 26 or a 25, is you would get a one higher modifier if you can get that higher stat, Mm -hmm. right? So... That's just something to remember when you're creating your characters is if you want to be really good at it, most of the time you're not going to use your actual ability score. You're going to use that score to calculate your modifier. Yeah. Why they did it that way? <laughs> but it works. Yeah. So if you're making your character and you want to be good at something, make sure that you have a good ability score modifier in that thing.
0: Yes. And that's something that took me a while to figure out too. Like, even when you explained it for some reason, like, I was clueless for a long time. Yeah,
1: we're going to have to do a whole episode on spell slots and stuff. Because <laughs> oh, jeez, that, yeah.
0: That's one of the things
1: that confuses a lot of new players the most is, yeah. is I'm ability, still confused. <laughs> ability score modifiers and then spell slots.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I won't, I won't even give examples right now because we're just, Yeah, we're, we'd get too far into we're it. We're doing
1: basics. All you need to know right now is if you're a spell caster, most of your spells are going to be a full action to cast. Yeah. And you cannot cast more than one spell, one leveled spell per turn.
0: Yeah. All right, so now that we have uh, kind of gone through some of the the basics of how how to play the game and some of the the stats that you get as a, a character um l- let's do a little game okay i'm ready all right good so what do you want to do no, <laughs> 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 that's the dm question what do you what do you do what do you want to do <laughs> um no so we'll, we'll i'll go use through- my
1: character from last night
0: oh boy Oh good, yeah, 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 cool. Um, so basically what we're gonna do here is we're going to go through a couple of scenarios okay. where I will ask for a role. And I I don't have a a DC set for any of this, but make it so up we'll, as you go I will make up as we go along. And that's the DM's best friend is improvising. All right, so we're gonna run through a couple of scenarios to kind of show what these abilities do. Um, and we'll we'll ask for some rolls.
1: Okay. I'm ready. All right, I have my tenth level rogue from last night. I will be using his skill modifiers.:
0: So here is the first uh uh scenario. Uh,
2: you uh Morthos Yeah.
0: you are chained to a chair.
1: Oh, I don't like this.
0: With iron manacles, and there is no one around, what do you do?
1: Are you sure nobody's around? Yes. My brother's not here.
0: He's in another chamber a few hundred feet away.
1: Oh, no.
2: Well, is he awake? He can teleport.
0: I believe he has been... He's been... Uh, uh, Decapacitated... Decapas-
1: Incapacitated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has been in. Inca- he has been incapacitated.
1: Okay. Um. Well, I. You said iron shackles, right? Yes. Okay. Uh. Well, that's not good. Is there any way I can uh, try to slip my hand
2: out? You know, through the shackle.
0: Um. Go ahead and make a sleight of hand check.
1: Okay, so I roll a 20-sided die. Pretty much any time the DM asks you to make a check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, it's going to be a 20-sided die, or a d20, which is what I will be referring to it from here on out. So. So, that is a 15 on the die. This character, Morthos, has a dexterity of 20. So, his modifier would be plus five. I do not have proficiency in that, which we didn't really go over because that changes as you level up. I do not have proficiency in sleight of hand. So, I have a 15 plus my dexterity modifier, which is five. Okay. Giving me a soft 20 to that roll. So, so depending on what the DC that Dan set will determine whether or not a 20, not a natural 20, will succeed or fail.
0: Correct. So, I set this at uh, I'll, I'll explain to the to you why why this is happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. These
0: are older manacles. They are iron manacles. They're they're not fully working to full potential. Okay. So, as you try to slip your hand out, they loosen slightly. And you are able to get your hands out. Okay, excellent. So that was a success. I set it at 18 just to make it. It is a hard DC, but it's not very, very hard.
1: Yeah. Now, there's other things that you could do in this scenario. So, for example, I could have rolled a perception to try to look around the room because you said my hands were chained. You did not say my feet were. Correct. You also did not say my tail was, because Morthos is a tiefling who has a tail. This is true. That in our role play, it was shown that he could grab stuff with his tail. Yes. So I could have done, said, hey, can I roll a perception to see if there's anything around me that I could possibly grab hold of? Yes. Or if I felt like I was real tough right now, I could say, okay, I'm going to try to just just flex my bulging, very average muscles, because he is not a strength-based <laughs> character, and try to just break these chains.
0: Right. Which, if it had been my character, Lelander, he is now a barbarian, so I could have... If, if I was in that same situation, I would probably use... And my strength is not that high, but I can rage... Which gives me advantage on athletics checks.
1: Exactly. Which, again, advantage is you roll the d20 twice, take the higher number, add your
0: modifiers. Yes. So I would have a higher chance of breaking these chains off because I have a strength higher than most people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, there's probably <laughs> other things that people could have tried to do to get out of this. Now, I, you said I didn't see anybody around. Correct. So if I had just said, Well, I'm going to snarl and growl at these chains and try to make them fall off of me themselves, you would have said
0: No. Exactly.
1: Be <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you snarl at the chains and nothing happens because they're chains.
0: Right. Or I could have said, make an intimidation check. Okay. Which is under uh uh charisma.
1: So that is a 12 on the die. I have a charisma of 12, giving me a plus one modifier, but Morthos took expertise or took proficiency in intimidation, which at his level is a plus four. He also has a ability that rogues get called expertise, which will give him another plus four on top of that, giving him a total of plus nine to his intimidation. Ooh. He's a scary looking dude. Yeah. I I showed you what he looks like, and you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so that's a 12, plus
0: 9. It still fails. Exactly. Because it's a chain.
1: Because it's a chain. It ain't allowed. if (laughs) I
0: had rolled perception
1: and possibly seen a guard sitting nearby.
0: All right, so let's go through that then.
1: Okay.
0: Go ahead and roll a perception check.
1: I will roll a perception check. This is another thing I have expertise in, which will give me a fairly high roll. Okay. Okay. I rolled a three on the die. However, I have a wisdom of 15, giving me a plus two. Okay. I have a proficiency of plus four. I have expertise in it, giving me an additional plus four. Giving me a total modifier of that die of 13. Or of 10, sorry. So my total roll is 13.
0: Right. So. In that case, it's not a bad roll. It's definitely, uh, it's higher than average. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you start, you would start to hear, uh, footsteps coming down the hallway. It's it wasn't a very high DC because it's a it's a guard. It's not trying to be stealthy.
1: Mm-hmm. So no reason to hide from yeah, me. Right. I'm I'm chained up.
0: Yeah. So he would come walking down the hallway and be. In front of you in a now, minute or here's so. here's
1: what I do when I hear the guard coming. Morthos has a special ability because he's a homebrewed subclass of rogue called the Predator. You can find it on the DM's Guild. It's called the Predator Rogue by Connor McKinley. Okay. One of the abilities that he has from this is if he takes no movement and no actions and stays still... I can turn invisible as if I am under the invisibility spell. Okay. (laughs) I am going to sit completely still so that when this guard comes into the room, I am not there. Okay. And I want to see what he's going to do with that.
0: And I would have you roll a stealth check
1: with advantage. With advantage.
0: So you roll twice.
1: Invisible does not mean undetectable. Right. It just means they can't see
0: you. It could mean that if you roll low enough, it could mean the manacles are sitting there in the middle of the air.
1: Yeah, because I forgot to put my arms down. <laughs>
0: because Yeah, but let's see what you roll first. All right.
1: So dexterity is my high stat. Yes. Stealth is my is my shtick with this character.
0: This is not going to be a low roll. <laughs> so
1: I have a dexterity of 20, as previously mentioned. I have a modifier of plus five. I have a proficiency of plus four. I have double proficiency in this because of expertise, <laughs> giving me an additional plus four, meaning my modifier on stealth rolls is 13. So I have advantage, which means I get to roll this two times and take the higher of the two rolls. Yep. Roll it. First roll was a 19 on the die.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> but. Meaning. That's almost as high as it can get. The only reason I would re-roll this is for a potential natural 20. Second roll was a 13. Since I have advantage, I take the 19. Yes. And then I add 13 on top of that.
0: So that would be a... (laughs) 32. 32. Yeah, 32. Yeah. So that's really high. That beats impossibility. uh,
1: It beats the nearly impossible difficulty class.
0: Right. So what I would say is that you basically lie down on the floor and are still, and you turn invisible, and the guard comes around and freaks out because he doesn't see you, opens the door, and comes around towards you, and... I would like to hold my action
1: until he comes within range of me. When he does that, my held action will be, I'm going to claw him because Morthos has claws.
0: You have an unarmed attack. natural weapons. Well, it's an an armed attack, but it's a natural weapon. Yeah,
1: they count as natural weapons with finesse property. Yeah. So, since I'm invisible, I will get advantage on the attack roll since i have advantage and i am a rogue i will get sneak attack on him Ooh. which adds a buttload of damage <laughs> now unless this guard is someone really tough he's probably not gonna make it through this encounter
0: no not really now,
1: seeing as how he walked in and was able to open my cell
0: i've seen where he just put his keys mhm i i will, okay so i can have you roll a perception check on that
1: yeah you could um would you like me to do that?
0: No, because <laughs> we're going to do this in a combat situation Hey, in a combat episode. So
1: that was just a couple of examples in one scenario of all the different ways I could have done something in that. Now, another thing I could do is wait for him to come, not turn invisible and try to intimidate him.
0: Yeah. Which is what I thought you were going to do. Cause you would try to intimidate the chains. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but had I tried intimidation, it would have entered a role play right. type of scenario, not a combat scenario.
0: Which we can get into in our role play episode. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey future episodes. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So had I decided to do that, he would have had me roll an intimidation check, I assume, because Correct. I'm trying to scare him. And he would have asked me a question like. What do you say to intimidate him? Uh, Ah, yeah. So so I look at him, and I step into character, and I speak as my character, and try to scare the pants off of this guard. (laughs) Even though I'm not a very frightening person, Morthos is.
0: Yes. Yep. (laughs) And I think Lilander could possibly do that, too. I think he could probably intimidate pretty well. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Cool.
1: With your... Negative charisma with, Oh no, you have negative intelligence.
0: I have negative intelligence, but I'm a big scare. Well, not big, scary elf, but I, I can rage and
1: be put on a good show.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of different ways. There's, there's never one set answer. And as you guys saw during that little interaction between Dan and I, I threw curveballs at him. Oh yeah. He thought I was going to go one way. And I went completely sideways, <laughs> like like I, I went always a different way than he thought I was going to go in pretty much each of those different scenarios. Yeah. Well, same scenario, different solutions. Right. As the DM. That's your job. Like you, you can plan What you think is every single contingency and then you're going to hand it to your players and they're going to go, well, you didn't think this one out, did you? And you have to you have to come up with that on the spot (laughs) as the player. Don't be a jerk about it. Right. Yeah. So if we were playing in a session like that and I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to stay still and turn invisible. I'm not going to sit here and talk to Dan like he's an idiot and doesn't understand what I mean by that. I'm not going to break down every single number and mathematic piece that's going to get me the thing that I'm getting. He says roll me a stealth check and I go, "Okay, I'm invisible so I have advantage." And he goes, "Right, that's correct." That's not because I think he's dumb and doesn't know the rules. I'm just clarifying why I'm rolling twice. Yeah. Communication is key.
0: And a lot of times like I I allow that with with you guys because you you know the rules even sometimes even better than I do. Most of the time better than I do. But some I, or some DMs will be like, like why why are you telling me that you're getting yeah. advantage? Like, let me tell you or like, like ask the question yeah. like, do a, I get advantage a, a for better this? Better way or, for
1: me to a phrase that would be ham hey, invisible. Do I have advantage on that? Right. Which if the DM knows his rules, unless there's some other circumstance as to why you don't, he'll probably be like, yeah, of course, yeah. And then when I roll, I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, Dan, I have a dexterity of 20, which gives me a plus five, which my proficiency is plus four. And I have expertise, which is another plus four, giving me a total. I'm just going to roll the dice, do the math, and then tell him what my total is. And then watch the look on his face as he goes, okay. (laughs) great." Which you have done many, many times at my table. You are the darkness. He does not see you, obviously, (laughs) freaking... There is no perception role he could make that will beat that unless he crits. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> and, and if he questions me and is like, how did you get a 32 on your stealth? That's when I can say, well, I have expertise on that. Well, what's your modifier? Well, I have five in, or I have a 13. How did you get a 13? That's when I can explain more of how I got that 13. But for the most part, Da- as as Dan, playing Dan yeah. has been over my character sheet Dan has been a player for a while he understands how the game works so if i tell him i have a plus 13 in my stealth he might for a second go cheese what and then go <laughs> oh wait rogues they're they're st- stupid broken
0: yeah and and i'm i'm also a a very trusting dm <laughs> well, some geez. dms aren't as trusting but the
1: Well, you also have pretty honest players right like, i'm i'm not gonna sit here i don't have a reason to be no. a, it, yeah distrusting <laughs> i'm so. not gonna sit here and be like well i have a plus 25 to my sleight of hand so i would <laughs> like to pick his pocket
0: uh no partially partially
1: <laughs> because any character i make with you as my dm i run everything i do past you yeah And any character I make with you as one of my fellow players at the table, as we were last night when I was playing this character, not only did we somewhat coordinate, but like we interwove our backstories together. Like our characters were estranged brothers. Yeah. And so I kind of gave him a breakdown of what my abilities were. He gave me a breakdown of what his abilities were. And I was like, okay, hey, we can actually do some fun stuff with this if we get into some fights. Yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> so like generally speaking, the other people at the table know what's on my character sheet and how I got it. Unless, unless there is something that for role play reasons, only the DM knows. Yeah. But the DM knows everything yeah. on my sheet. I, you do not hide stuff from your DM because you want to have a surprise reveal. The DM needs to know. <laughs>
0: because unless you have a good reason to do it. well,
1: Okay. But if you suddenly 20 sessions in, be like, I've been secretly lizard folk this whole time. Right. Be like, um, hang on timeout. You've been using a lot of wood elf abilities, Lalander. Mm
0: hmm.
1: What's happening right now? And why didn't you tell me? Right. Because if you can come up with a good enough reason as to why you didn't tell me and why this is important and good for you, I might let it slide. But you'll get a warning of, hey man, I really need to know this stuff. Like yep. please tell me. Now that was an example he, as far as I know, <laughs> is you not don't know. is not doing that. You don't know. <laughs> if you are, Dan, please tell me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have enough chaos monkeys at my table. Uh
2: <laughs> all right. We'll,
1: we'll uh wrap it up we'll wrap it up there <laughs> so with that, we should probably wrap it up guys uh obviously, you know, thank you for joining us if you've listened this far, thank you for listening to us, ramble and all this um and join us next time when our topic will be this this just says why are you like this <laughs> Dan, who writes these
0: oh that that's me.
1: Okay, do the outro. All
0: right. Well, thanks for listening to Critical Friendship. If you have any questions concerning anything we discussed today, uh, you can email us at criticalfriendshippodcast at gmail.com or comment on our Instagram at criticalfriendshippodcast. And we will try to answer as many as we can on our next episode. But as for now, ah dang it, I rolled in that one on giving the outro. Every time!